Welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about The Night House, which we've just seen in a cinema that I would have said was actually reasonably full for it's a horror movie at 2.30 yes. on a Monday afternoon. Yes, the movies are coming back. There was an audience, for sure. Yeah, although it was in a small screen, so it felt probably fuller than it even was, but still, yeah, yeah, yeah. quite a few people. Uh, this is a psychological horror haunted house situation, directed by David Bruckner, who did a short segment in VHS, which I think was a compilation anthology horror movie right. uh, from a few years ago. And he's done a couple of other things, but I've never seen any of them. And it stars Rebecca Hall, mm. who's an actress who I did really didn't like when she first sort of showed up, but she's oh, grown on me. Yeah. She's grown on me rather a lot over the years. So she plays this grieving, recently widowed woman living in a lakeside house mm. in sort of New England somewhere. I don't know that we're ever given the States, but that's mm. a region we're talking about. She's a school teacher. Her husband's just recently committed suicide. He went out on his boat on the lake and shot himself in the head. Mm. And following his death, she starts to learn about a second life he was kind of living and things he was up to and secrets that he had mm. she never knew about. And she's, she feels his presence in the house. Mm. So it's a very typical kind of haunted house setup, and I would say very typical kind of haunted house execution, quite frankly, and a really boring film. I don't think it's a boring film. Yeah. Um, I think it's a it's an unsuccessful film mm-hmm. with a great uh, central performance. It is one of the ugliest films I've ever seen. It's I think one of the worst shot uh, films I've ever seen. I mean, the whole first hour mm-hmm. is so dark, and it's not just dark; it's grainy, so that the darkness doesn't give you the you know that glossy pleasure that you sometimes get in film noir, right? Mm. You know, so I mean, I think the film tries to um, to use it in terms of meaning, yeah, because you know all of the grainy darkness of the film is clearly um, meant to symbolize uh, an interior state of depression, uh, but also living in this nether world, yeah, that's partly ghostly, partly, you know, in our world. You get the full sense of that by the last shots where mm-hmm. you, you're finally like in sunlight and, you know, the kind of the, the film stock or whatever it was shot on seems glossier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's an effect to put on it at least. It's yeah. digital. But I absolutely hated the whole look of, uh, you know. It's a film uh, that doesn't distinguish when to use its kind of shadowy dark look. So when it's setting up a scare and when she's walking through the house in the middle of the night, she's hearing things and that kind mm. of thing. It's doing the horror movie thing, it's dark, it's shadowy, it frames her off to the side and invites you to look into empty space to anticipate what might be there, Mm. that kind of thing. That's kind of quite successful, but then it never decides not to do that, not to use that look and lighting when Uh it's not that. So in the scenes when she's in the school talking to her friend... It still has that grainy... It still looks like that, you know? Um, Schools have lights in. And also, it's very unpleasurable to watch that graininess, actually. You know, I was thinking it's like watching a blurry... YouTube of a VHS program from 1975. It just looked thin and really ugly. Mm. Um, And really unsatisfying. But I thought for the first hour of the film, you know, I was reading the film metaphorically, and I thought, how interesting. This is about a woman, you know, who's been completely in love and had what she thought was a great relationship with her husband. Yeah, and he then commits suicide for reasons that are absolutely not clear to her, right? Mm -hmm. You know? And 
she begins to question who this man that she was really in love with was. And, you know, so to raise these questions, do you ever know anyone? Can you ever know anyone? You know, was kind of your perception of our relationship true? Was it just your own fantasy that you were projecting onto this person? Did they feel, you know, what did they feel about you? Are our, our perspectives on reality so skewed that we each see what we want to see? Mm-hmm. I thought the film was raising all those questions in a really interesting way. Yeah, I'm glad. I found a lot of that really banal. <laughs> I mean, and, that's not, and I know that basically comes across as sound like I'm too smart for the film or whatever, but I, <laughs> Justin Grammy, and this was a film that I was the one who wanted to see out of the two of us. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the trailer, and I remember the trailer looking interesting, and, and then for the first 45 50 minutes of the film, I was thinking, why did I think this looked interesting? Yes, why did you? Um, and <laughs> then, and then, I mean, I may get the time, it might be 45 minutes exactly, whatever, but then she gets the texts from her dead husband, mm. um, and that's when it kind of started to liven up for me, and I thought, okay, there's something interesting going on here. And then, it's when she sees the photo on the phone the next morning. She checks the phone to see if the text mm. is still there. And she sees the photo of a girl who looks exactly like her, mm. like from behind in a, in, a, in a bookstore. And I remember that from the trailer. And I remember thinking, oh, yes, it's all about kind of doubling and doppelgangers and that sort of thing. And that's what I was really interested in. And as the film does more of that and it gets into this mirror thing with this, this mirrored house on the other mm. side of the lake that's exactly the same as theirs, but reversed, mm. that he's been building you kind of find out he's been building a version of this, but then there's also the full version, which is in the kind of nightmare dimension. Mm. That's the stuff that I was thinking, oh, this is this is getting quite interesting. It still didn't pay it off for me. I still think that, although I think I've kind of got an understanding of kind of A, B, C, D, what the plot is in kind of logical terms, I think I've put work into working that out that the film hasn't actually it done explaining it. Um, so I do think that there is a continuity between the things I found interesting, which was like this thing about, you know, do you know, did you ever know, yeah, kind of what is reality, what is perception. Uh, and I think that continues into the doubling thing, mm-hmm. right? You know, because that is also a kind of a question of of knowing, you know, is this like a kind of, because the mirror inverse, yeah, that is also another dimension or another world is also a perspective on your world, yeah? So mm. I think kind of, you know, those metaphors kind of connected relatively easily. But I found the whole thing of the doubling incoherent, right? So there's another house, yeah, across the pond. Uh, you know, sometimes it's built, sometimes it's unfinished. Uh, there's meant to be a continuity in the design. You're told that the husband was an architect and he's been building these traps to catch spirits mm. right i never fully got what the statue meant that mm. she finds uh so i think there are all these things that are just not fully fledged out or not fully worked out or i didn't get them there right. are bits and pieces that i think i've put the work in to kind of join up together mm. so i think the idea is that and there are spoilers coming up you told that she had a car crash when she was 17 years old i think and that she was dead for four minutes. Yes. And that's the kind of thing. The film is cliche upon cliche. And that's one of these things that you sometimes get in films like this. Flatliners have a similar thing where you die and that invites the kind of spirits into the world sort mm. of thing. Like that's that's kind of what's going on. She met the spirit world at that point And she said there was nothing there. Um, yes. And then she's told the husband. And the husband, it seems, has been doing research. That's where these books come from. Mm. Research on mazes trapping demons. Mm. And one of the things that, that, that you see in these no, books... Let's just uh, elaborate on that. So she thinks she's seen nothing, 
But actually, the spirit who has invaded the husband has actually come back with her from death. Yeah, and is trying to get the husband to kill her, to bring her back. Which actually doesn't make sense, because if there's That's nothing, yeah. if there's nothing, then what is the evil devil or spirit? Well, I think this is... It, it, so know. this leads up to something that I think is really unsatisfying, but it's the end of this plot, right? I think... So yes, you're right. Like, there's a thing that the husband... The husband's been whispered to by this demony spirit, mm. and that's what he's trying to stop, and he realises it's after her. And so he's trying to save her mm. by, by researching these traps, building this mirrored version of the house so the thing can get lost in it. That's mm. what these books say. You see that in a close-up. One of the paragraphs explicitly kind of is about reversing uh, uh, architecture. Um, so when you get to the other side of the lake and you see this bare-bones mirrored house that he's been in the middle of building, that's what that is. And at the same time, you get this uh, nightmare uh, dimension version of it, which is the fully fleshed-out one, mm. which is shown by the demon. I think mm. you're not... I don't know how much you're meant to kind of accept that it's just lying to her, isn't it? Sort of mm. thing. It's demony. It's a bit... It's it's demon dream logic. Um, demon dream logic. I know, that's what I, it is. It doesn't need to make sense. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh. Um, that's ultimately what that was. He was trying to save her, and the thing eventually drove him to suicide, drove him mad. He, that, that's. I mean, I'm really helping the film out there by giving it that much... Mm. Being generous enough to it to accept. No, that. I think the film is saying that he sacrificed himself for her yeah. because actually, without him, she had nothing to fear. But actually, it's not true because the spirit is still there, still after her. So and the spirit is pretending to be him by the end. Yeah, of it. so he's committed suicide for nothing, basically. But when you get to the end of it, this is where the unsatisfying thing comes in: is that she's about to kill herself. She's about to give in to this demon when she's on the boat in the final scenes, mm. um, and and. The demon says, it is nothing. That's when she says to it, you're not Owen, although it's Owen's body. You're not Owen, what are you? And he goes, I'm nothing. Which is like, so the film is building up to this pun, basically, I think. The whole thing was, when she came back from death, she said she saw nothing, so there's nothing there. But actually, this thing is, quote-unquote, nothing. Nothing, so it's a thing. It's a pun. It's like a stupid horror movie pun. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing is after you, the the, the suicide note says. Nothing is after you, and apparently it is. Oh, yes. (laughs) Fucking ridiculous. Uh, Although, the very end, I did not anticipate, which is that she is saved. She's saved by the friend. And actually, I suppose there's a final girl element, although she's the girl the whole way through, so maybe that doesn't quite add up. But the thing about the final girl is the final girl in a horror movie is always the last person left alive, and it's always a girl. Mm. Um, she's left alive at the end of this. She's, she's not, left she alive, and she's saved by the love of her girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's nice. But actually, I think the whole film is like uh, a complete muddle because you know this thing of having the husband be nothing. You know, again, if you're reading it metaphorically, it's such a cop out. Because basically it says, oh, here's this man who's abusing and mutilating and killing women. But really, it's not his fault. <laughs> He's got the devil inside him. Or, you yeah. know, nothing is driving him. <laughs> and when, and when, it got to, when it got to seeing the, the uh, kind of torture and abuse of women, when it was first introduced, you, so she goes to that bookshop having tracked down where these, these occult books came from. And in this bookshop, she sees a girl who looks just... She's one of the girls from the photos that she's mm. found on her husband's phone. So she talks to her. And she accuses her of sleeping with her husband and he was cheating and so on. And as the conversation develops and they have another scene together, it starts to emerge that actually this girl may have been a victim of the husband. Mm. Something the husband was maybe gearing up to abuse her Mm. and eventually kind of let her go for whatever reason. But like that's that's an interesting development, right? Mm. That this girl is a victim, that the husband that's that's part of this dark secret. 
that's interesting. But then it gets to the floorboards under the uh, reverse house that he's building. And these bodies are in there. And A, I don't think you see the bodies enough. Mm. It's a horror film. You should be able to see some gore, for Christ's sake. It shies away from it a little bit. It does. Um, But then on the other hand, I also think that when it's showing the kind of uh, orgy of women being abused in the mirror house mm. in that, towards the end of the film. There's a, she's going from room to room in this house. Women are being dragged around and so is she by the spirit and by the husband. Um, I thought, oh, actually, where's the pleasure in this? Like, mm. I mean, the, something like that in a horror movie should be gross and grim or whatever, but it should also be pleasurable to see that kind of thing. It's part of the thrill, but there's no thrill in this for me. It's actually just nasty to see these women being mm. tortured. Mm. Um, well, I mean, I didn't find it particularly nasty because you actually don't see them being tortured very much, really. No. So just the idea of it. Yeah. It, it, the thing is, it's so free of context. That's what it is. Because generally speaking, it's not like flat out wrong to do that, wrong to show that, wrong to talk about that in a film. But when it's so free of context, where am I latching onto this? Where am I getting the the what, you know? Well, the context is ostensibly coming from the wife, mm. right, and her realization of these things, and her realization that they might be her, or they're kind of like her, or there's a connection to her, right? Mm. So it's kind of the increasing horrifying realization that it is her, about her somehow. But I'm not sure it's sold. No, it's well not. It's not done very well. And actually, I think the other thing about the film is it's just the formal mechanics are just not very well worked out, right? Like you know, I think so much more could have been done with the house and with the space, and you know, kind of. Cinema is about sculpting with light. Well, there's no sculpting here. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it kind of it looks like shit. Um, even the rhythms of the editing or, you know, you could have imagined something more interesting had been done with uh, the point of view. Or there's the Von D. Curtis Hall character who is lives nearby, you know, and who appears. I mean, you know, so much more could have been done with that character. So much more could have been done with the girlfriend. Yeah, like kind of what, yeah, relationship past. Yeah, like it's kind of not, yeah, it's very thinly drawn, the whole thing, you know. So, um, but I did find, I did find it more interesting than I thought I would. When you say girlfriend, do you mean it in a romantic sense? No, no. Well, it's not because that's not, what, that's not what the film, I think, suggests at all. Well, actually, it You're depends gone. on the perspective, right? Because there's that bit where... I mean, what I was saying by girlfriend is meant like girls who are friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But I do think that the character herself, the film suggests something different. Yeah, because she says, I love you in this, you know, quite, mm. you know, this, this, this weird way that feels like. So I think at that moment, the film suggests that at least from her perspective, there, there are more feelings towards the Rebecca Hall character. It's interesting because what I thought then, it, you're right. It is. A, it, it's not. It's a line that's delivered in a way that you notice it, and she kind of gears up to say it. It takes yes. confidence to say it. And what I read into that was the Rebecca Hall character is pretty no nonsense, and she mm. can actually be quite cruel and sharp towards people. Yes, you know. So when she's just lost her husband, and they go out drinking. They invite her out drinking, and it's the girlfriend and a couple of other friends, teachers at the school. Um, they're kind of shying away from asking about the suicide and what happened, but she's mm. goading it almost, you know, out of them. Um, and it's kind of cruel. And the, the scene actually right at the start where one of the pupils' parents comes to speak it's to her. It's a great scene. And she shuts her down by saying, you, you, you know, your kid wants a B for work he hasn't done or work that I wasn't there to hand in. 
work that I wasn't there to receive. Mm. Well, here's the reason I wasn't there to receive it. Mm. And she goes into details about what happened to the husband. Yes, that's a great scene. So, the Rebecca Hall character has this edge to her. Quite a strong edge. And that, I think, is what the girlfriend is worried about antagonising when she gears up to say I love you. That's what I read into that. If I say this, is she going to react? No. Well, maybe. I mean, I thought it's a line that uh, is safe enough, right? Like, you could tell your girlfriend in distress, I love you, and have it just be read as I care for you. Mm. And, you know, it could also be read as I have more intense feelings than that for you. And I think, you know, the film leaves it open, and I think the actor's choices are quite deliberate in the way that it's expressed Mm. to invite that... um, uh, Ambiguity. Ambiguity. Yeah. It's funny as well because cause I said to you at one point, I leant over and said, the, the blonde girl, that's the girlfriend, is up to something in this. Yeah. Yes. And, I, and at that point, you know, you and I both thought that was going to be, well, she's clearly been cheating with the husband. Yes. But actually, maybe. But I think that's she... also partly a badly plotted film, mm. you know, because I think a better plotted film would have created more links between all of the characters, mm. right? There's not that many of them. I mean, I think no. there's basically four, right? So, you know, you could have had more uh, uh, worked out links with the Vondi uh, Curtis Hall character and, you know, with the workmate uh, girlfriend. And they're just not there. They're just like kind of, I mean, they fulfill a function, but they could have had a much more complex and interesting set of interrelationships than they do at present. Yeah, the Vondi Curtis Hall character especially is disappointing because it's clearly a thematic link that they're drawing between him and Rebecca Hall's character, which is that he's lost someone too. Yeah. And he has had been through a grieving process, and is still going through a grieving process. But it doesn't draw anything out of that, really. Yeah. And actually, it's funny, I, was, I came out of the film and I was thinking, why has this film had positive reviews? Which it mm. mostly has. Because mm. I really found it very disappointing. And I went um, on to the Rotten Tomatoes, and I looked at a couple of reviews, and the, the reviews that I looked at said these same... Very vague things that honestly read like they've just come out of the press pack, you know. Like, well, they could. They, they could this, have. this woman has been through grief and it's expressed through the horror, and it's like, is it really? Really, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, um, there's still things in the horror, even though, like I say, there is a there is a horror logic to the things that go on in Nightmare World, which I'm fine with, that still don't really add up. Like the girls throwing themselves off that cliff, right? Like, there's a certain amount of context that you later realise that the husband has been kind of luring and sacrificing these women I know but he's not, I mean that is so but, stupid yeah. and that you know if he's meant if he's such a good guy does he think it's morally and ethically sufficient to kill someone else rather than your wife you know to kill these other innocent women I mean that's stupid yeah uh, so or and, he was driven to whatever and then generically you see I mean just to finish my thought on the Bondi Curtis Hall character um, generically in horror films you would have had the caretaker of the mansion, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, or people whom this character kind of echoes, yeah? Mm-hmm. He's also got a house in the woods, yeah? Uh, but, you know, that, that caretaker, say, would have had a relationship with all of the people in the haunted house or, <laughs> yeah, like, this is just... It's, I mean, I don't even understand what the role is about, really. Do you know what I think? I was worried when he showed up that he was going to be 
the mystic black dude that these films sometimes yes, have. Yes, exactly. And, which is, which is a, a thing that um, Spike Lee, I think, has spoken out about years ago. He, he talked about this as a trope, the black guy with wisdom and yes. knowledge, and he's there to Boo-boo. help the white people. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and I think the film is desperate not to do that. It doesn't give him any particular knowledge. He's just a friend. Mm. Um, but then doesn't actually do anything else with it. Yeah. I was afraid he would be the killer as well, because that oh, right. was the other you know, potential. Uh, in the character and I go oh, God I hope it doesn't the film doesn't go there right it's <laughs> so racist <laughs> so it didn't go there but it didn't do much else yeah. you know so and it's a shame because he's very charismatic I really like him as yeah, an actor yeah. and as a presence so he's completely wasted uh, in this yeah. um, so let's wrap it up I mean we can only say so much about you know the film is not deserving of our attention <laughs> <laughs> It could have been really good. There was obviously a reason I wanted to see it from the trailer, but I think all that good stuff that was in the trailer is all the good stuff that was in the film. Mm. And there's really not a lot left. It's an extraordinary performance by Rebecca Hall. She mm. is the reason to see the film, actually. I think she's absolutely great in it. Yeah, she's good. Uh, I she's me that better much. than good. She's great. Uh, I mean, we're not talking fearless. Tony Collette in Hereditary here. Like That was horror movie greatness. Well, I think this is pretty horror movie greatness, actually. I mean, I think uh, I think it's an extraordinary performance. You you have, she runs the whole gamut of emotions. She's not afraid to be harsh and unlikable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it's brilliant. The the scene with the with the mother in the schoolroom is absolutely superb. Yeah, it's a good scene. Uh, so, and she makes. I mean, whatever value the film has, it has due to her. I think. Sure. Yeah. So uh, it's a great uh, uh, starring performance. Anyway, on that note, um, do we recommend it? I recommend it. No. Yeah, it's you rarely well, look, see it's, it's, like it's, that. It's, it might not be the worst two hours I spend in the cinema this week because we're going to see. Respect will be hugely enjoyable. <clears throat> Respect is half an hour <laughs> plus longer than this. The film might be shit, but I bet you it's going to be more enjoyable than this one. It's going to have better songs. It's going to have better songs and better costumes. <laughs> and hopefully some lights. But apart from that, yes, and it will it will be lit. <laughs> but you know, I don't. I suppose I don't regret seeing this because what else would I've done with those two hours? I just sat at home and had fourteen wanks. <laughs> on that note, thank you very much for listening. We're eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you. Bye-bye.